On this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Metro Ford of OKC, we bring you the latest OU updates, including how the OU guys performed at the Senior Bowl and the National College Football Roundup. We bring you the latest college football news, including Mike Stoops' new job and one of Teddy's dreams not coming true. We give you our winners and losers of the weekend and break down OU's big win over Alabama and football guys talking basketball. To finish up, we talk some OKC Thunder and wet the beak with their Monday night matchup against the Houston Rockets. Please download and subscribe to the podcast. Rate it five stars and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right. My man Michael Hosty will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Monday, February 1st, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Metro Ford of OKC. What? Excuse me? What was that? That's a new presenting sponsor. That's what it is, Ted. Oh, I love it. Metro Ford of OKC's inventory is the best of the best. In fact, they own more Black Widows and more 2021 F-150s than anyone else. They're the only Roush and Rocky Ridge dealer in the state. You can find a ride at Metro Ford of OKC that you can't find anywhere else in Oklahoma. Just like their selection of selection of vehicles is unmatched, so is their customer service. The Metro Ford of OKC difference program is included with the purchase of every new and pre-owned vehicle. It includes free oil changes for life, lifetime window tint, lifetime nitrogen fill for your tires, complimentary wheel locks, interior fabric protection, complimentary service loaners, a complimentary shuttle with service, and a complimentary multi-point inspection. Come feel the performance when you test drive a Roush or Raptor and come see why the difference is real at Metro Ford of OKC. Visit MetroFordofOKC.com for more information. Now we're recording this on Sunday night. New presenting sponsor. How about that? I absolutely love that. Now, that's cool. You mentioned Roush in there. Now, when you were in Detroit, did you ever see them across the street? I did. Testing vehicles? They are awesome. Yeah, it's a a pretty cool spot. Uh, Roush Racing is literally right across the street from the practice facility. It's pretty cool. Well, if you want to race some Roushes, go to Metro (laughs) Ford of OKC. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, okay. Now, just a reminder, if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review and comment with what guests you would like us to have on the podcast. We have no further Brad Pitt update, unfortunately. We're still working on it. No further Brad Pitt update, but we do have a positive update. We've been having a lot of people asking for the OU guys that play in the NFL, try to get them on. Uh, had a few requests for Orlando Brown and reached out to Orlando and sound like that will be happening soon. Ted, maybe this week. Good deal. Good deal. I saw him put something out says that he's a left tackle. So 
We'll have to have to get his uh, word on that. That'll be cool. We will hear from the man himself, hopefully. All right, let's get to the local college football stuff, and that's brought to you by First Fidelity Bank. Yeah, they didn't go anywhere. They're still with us, people. Don't worry. First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs, checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all. Whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone, everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. First Fidelity Bank also provides free ATMs worldwide, making banking convenient wherever you are. They also give back to the community. FFB donates a total of more than $500,000 to local charities and educational foundations. Make your life easier and go bank at First Fidelity Bank. Visit ffb.com for more information. Okay, let's start with the OU stuff, and let's start with Wanya Morris. He puts out a tweet that says, sigh of relief, which made a lot of OU OU fans feel a lot better. So he has made it to Norman. There were some rumors swirling that there could be some issues, but he's there, and I am told that he definitely looks the part. Teddy carries that 320, 325 pounds really, really well has an extremely thick lower half. Yeah, I know what I just said. I get it, (laughs) but he does. That's how you like it, though, right? That's how they're supposed to be. I like my O-lineman thick in the lower half. There's no doubt about it, but they said now that workouts have started right, very fluid with his movements, just looks like he can be a difference maker for them at the tackle position. And when you lose a guy like Adrian Ely, when maybe you thought you were going to keep him and – you thought that tackle could be a thin position. All of a sudden you get a guy that's this physically gifted and you're going to pair him with Bill Beatonbow. And this, this sounds like it's going to be good, man. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like Wanya Morris is the, the guy that's got the best chance to start. I know there's always this feeling of, and it happens in recruiting too, but especially in the transfer portal that, when you get a transfer that that person's an automatic starter whenever they show up. Right. And that's not the case. And I think it's a good thing that it's not necessarily the case. That means you're good. You're competitive. You're deep. Um, you know, key Lawrence at safety, that's a position of need, but I, I don't think he'll be a starter there. I could be proven wrong on that, but I right off my, my first thought is I don't think he's going to be a starter there. Um, Eric Gray at running back, really good player, but I don't think he's going to be a starter. I think he'll contribute. I think he'll have carries, uh, be a part of what we do offensively, but I wouldn't say that he's going to be the starter. I think Wanya Morris has the best chance to be a starter for this team. And, you know, not that we're hurting at offensive line, but it definitely helps to add someone of that caliber to the mix right away. Yeah. And, Let's make it clear. Uh, Bill Beanbow's not going to hand that kid anything, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just that's just not how Bill operates. So, Wanya Morris is going to have to earn the job. Uh, there's no doubt, and I'm sure some of the other guys in that room are not just going to give it up, right? But that's exactly what you want. We talk about it all the time. You you want that competition in each and every position room, and that just creates that competition there in that offensive line room. You're going to have competition in the interior. You're going to have competition for both tackle spots, right? I know that a lot of people are assuming that Anton Harrison is going to be a starter. Well, he's going to have to earn it 
as well. And that's just how it's always got to be at Oklahoma. And I, I think Wanya Moore is bringing that level of talent, but also raising the level, raising the sense of urgency in that room. And it, it's, it's going to start in spring ball, right? As far as we know, spring ball going to happen according to plan. And I love that that competition is going to start in the spring and then carry into the fall. Yeah, I do too. And again, everything that I've heard talking to the coaches, it as of right now, this offseason is a full go. Uh, offseason workouts, a full go. Spring football, as of right now, a full go. So it looks like – I'm not saying we're going to have a normal year, but it's going to be – we're going to be way better off than we were last year. Yeah. And speaking of talking to the coaches, they feel like they got a pretty good shot at big cat Bryant. Right. I, I mean, yeah. yeah. And you, you never know what a kid is going to do. Obviously he is, he's interested in following his D line coach from Auburn following Kevin Steele and Kevin Steele still still on staff there at Tennessee. So we'll see what happens, but they feel really good with the discussions they've had with Big Cat Bryant that he could come and add to the depth of the defensive line. And that is a physically talented dude that would help this team immediately, Ted. He would. He's he's tall. He's got good length. He's he's not real thick. He's he's not a, a big bruiser. He's a lean guy. He's an edge guy. Uh, but, you know, I, I think he... Yet again, I think this says a lot about our football team. I think he's a rotational guy. I don't think he's a starter. Um, you know, he for him to start, he's going to have to be better than uh, Benito or uh, Isaiah Thomas as a hand-down guy, which I don't think he really is. I mean, I, I see him as a rotational guy that's going to be, um, you know, someone that definitely factors in, but I don't see him as a starter and just think about that. How far we've come to where uh, a guy from the sec defensive lineman edge guys transferring in possibly uh, and has a ton of uh, production, a ton of snaps under his belt. And I'm, I don't know that he's necessarily a starter. That's that means a lot. Yeah, it certainly means a lot. Now I, I think he'd probably be a starter. Maybe I don't. And you Over know who? Well, you, you look at him because he's about a 250-pound guy, right? So, like you said, he's going to play on the edge. He To me, I think he could fill that Ronnie Perkins role really well, right? A, a guy that he, he can play off the edge if you need him to. He can also be one of those guys, put his hand on the ground, do all the slanting and angling, getting inside a little bit. Maybe you even kick him inside in some sort of rush package. Right. I, I think he has that type of versatility. And I also want to be honest, he was playing against, especially we've talked about this a lot. The level of offensive line play other than Oklahoma, right? Mm -hmm. it, it's not great in the big 12 right now. Let, let's be real. So I think he could be an extremely effective player in the big 12 conference because frankly, he'd be going up against some worse offensive linemen. I think his production would be, pretty solid I, and I could be wrong you know the defensive side better than I do but I well, do I mean, think that he like he has all those traits you want in that Ronnie Perkins role yeah 
I mean, it's there's there's a lot of things that that really depend. I mean, it depends on some of the young guys and their development, like Reggie Grimes and Joseph Wete. Um, it depends on a guy like Jalen Redmond, where he's going to fit in. Is he going to be? Gosh, sometimes people... I just forget about Jalen Redmond. And like what a beast he is when he's healthy. He, we've you know kind of a lot of people have penciled him into that Ronnie Perkins spot, but they may move him inside. I mean. There's just there's so many guys there. They're so deep that, you know, I just I I can't say that he's a day one starter. I can't say that. I mean, he's going to have to come in and and beat someone and, and prove that he's better than some of the options that they've got here. And we know from watching our defensive line for two years that the way we do things doesn't just get picked up instantly. I mean, it's it's a little bit different. It's a little bit different style. But, um, I mean, if he's a starter, that's great. That means he beat out some good players. If he's not, it's still great because we've added some good quality depth. Let's just keep arguing about a guy, whether a guy is going to start or not, and he's not even like committed or anything. <laughs> what a stupid argument we're having. I love it. <laughs> I mean, what in the world? It's perfect. Yeah, is he going to start at Oklahoma or Tennessee? I mean, or Auburn? I mean, it's. He would funny. obviously start, moron. I, I don't know. <laughs> you know better than I do. I believe you. Okay. So winter workouts have started. Uh, now, a lot of people talk about summer workouts a lot Ted and you know there's lots of summer workout stories but I always thought winter workouts were where you make the biggest strength gains I always thought the winter was really really important now I never made many strength gains because I was weak and for what I tried my best like I, I lifted and lifted and I just never got strong but the winter is brutal these workouts are the worst it's so awful now I don't know what they do anymore but it, it, it's so just horrible. The coaches workouts and it's just brutal. I mean, I can remember way back in the day, guys like transferring in and being like, I no, I'm out of here. I quit. We're I'm gone. I'm going back to wherever I came from. Um, so yeah, it's kind of the forgotten time where, you know, it's that cold, dark walk from the locker room over to the indoor. It's the worst walk on planet Earth. <laughs> oh no my one God. else in the, is, is awake. No one's students are all tucked away after a nice long night of, of booziness. And here come the players. Just a, a, uh, a trail of just dead souls going over to the indoor. Just emptiness in their <laughs> eyes. <laughs> At 5.15 in the morning. You're breathing. You can see it. Oh, good luck to all those young men. Okay, let's talk about the Senior Bowl, right? Had the five OU guys and wanted to talk about all of them because I really do think a couple of these guys really did themselves some good. Let's start with Creed Humphrey. Had a fantastic week. And I was talking to Creed throughout the week and was extremely excited for him. Thought he showed the ability to operate with the quarterback under center. Uh, he also got to play some guard as well, so showed he can do that if he needs to do it. I think he surprised some people with his quickness in the zone blocking schemes. Uh, this is a guy that's more athletic than maybe he looks on tape for OU because he he really wasn't 
asked to do a lot of these things. Like he blocked a bunch of under front this week. Ted, when do when does OU see under? Like, I mean, we're talking base three four under front. Right. Rarely. I mean, never. And see that it. makes him have to work on the front side of stuff, right? I mean, he's on an island a lot over there. So yeah, that's. I mean. But th- that's the thing that, that you've talked about is that he's totally capable of all of that stuff. Yeah, and he got more comfortable doing it throughout the week. Uh, I think he figured out some of the tricks, you know, some of the different things you can do when the quarterback's under center. But he was about as dominant as you can be in the one-on-one pass rush reps. Uh, he didn't lose one all week. I, he didn't even get, like, challenged all week I was blown away and I know he's good in pass protection but he was destroying guys and even Dane Brugler who's the main NFL draft guy from the athletic he had Creed as one of his 10 winners or risers from the senior bowl and I would be shocked with what he put on tape at Oklahoma and what he just did down in Mobile I would be really really surprised and frankly I would be angry if he doesn't go in the first two rounds, I think he's most likely a second rounder just because it's hard to go in the first round as a center. Normally there's only one guy and maybe he is that one guy, but he was, he was fantastic at the senior bowl. I thought, I thought he absolutely crushed it. Did it did about as well as he could have. Well, the guy from Bama would, would most people would think is that center and he's hurt. Yeah. Dickerson. Right? Yeah. Towards ACL. So, um, I mean, he's. I would be shocked if he was. He was a guy that went the first round. But just, so, did he play any guard? Because I know you've you've talked that, you know, you think um, he could definitely play center, but maybe more of a guard in the NFL. Well, the one thing, and if you if you talk to all thirty two teams, I guarantee you they don't like that he's left handed, because there's no left handed centers. It, it's not you, a thing. I mean. You don't have to be – even if you're left-handed, you don't have to snap it left-handed, do you? Well, he snaps left-handed. Okay. Which I, I don't know. You'd have to go through each roster, but I don't know if there's a single center in the NFL that snaps left-handed. And that's because, obviously, there's left, left less left-handed people on the planet, but quarterbacks are very particular. And it, all of a sudden, if you have a left-handed center – if something happens, you have to go to the backup. Like the ball spins differently back to the quarterback in the shotgun and the ball ends up in a different place when a lefty's snapping it as compared to when a righty is snapping it. So now I don't want to make it sound like it's going to be some deal breaker for some teams, but I even heard Daniel Jeremiah talk about it on one of the broadcasts of the senior bowl. Like he asked Jim Nagy and the senior bowl staff, if they had asked Creed Humphrey, about snapping right-handed that week. So it, it's a thing. I want to make it very clear it's a thing. So, And it's it's such a thing that some quarterbacks, if a center walks up there and starts snapping a left-handed, they'll say, no, get out of here. Like, they'll, they'll just say no. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, no, no, no. Uh, give me a right-handed center. Like, it, it is a thing. So I, I don't know if that's going to be some huge hurdle for him to clear. Uh, I'm sure it won't be that big of a deal. I do think he would be a very successful guard, though. And I think it could eliminate some of the thinking. You know, we've seen him have a few issues, right, with the snap count, things like that over the last year. He even had some some of that there at Senior Bowl week. But 
I think anywhere in the interior, that kid's going to succeed. I can't believe I've been watching him for this long and never even noticed that he was snapping at left-handed. It's the first thing I noticed. (laughs) But but of course, like you're looking at other stuff and I'm like, oh Uh, my God, look at this kid. I don't know that I've ever even seen him actually snap it, like watched him physically snap it back there. Now, I've complained if it was a bad snap, but, you know, I don't know that I've ever watched it. That's crazy. defensive guy. You're looking Mm -hmm. at coverages and stuff, like looking at how safeties are rotating. All I'm doing is watching the snap. It all starts with the snap. You got to watch that, right? Only other guy that touches the ball every play. That's, I mean, that's just a fact. Well, uh, the center, the quarterback, and Tyreek Hill. I mean. Yeah, that's a good point. Okay, so Trey Brown, he had a good week. Right, we, we talked about him playing nickel, and that that was going to be a great opportunity for him to showcase his speed and quickness. And man, did he take advantage of the opportunity? He practiced so well that he and his representation decided he didn't even need to practice on Thursday. I mean, that's how well he was. He was playing, and I, I thought he showed a great level of competitiveness, and that didn't go unnoticed. Uh, by the other guys he was practicing against because he ends up being named the top defensive back on his team in a vote from the wide receiver group on his team. That's That's got to feel good for Trey Brown, Ted. I'll tell you what's crazy is, you know, just watching the, the film and the highlights of him out there at corner in one-on-ones, he looked like, by far the quickest guy on the field. Like it didn't even look close. He was aggressive. He was attacking it. And, you know, he was physical. Here's the thing is like in one-on-ones, be overly physical. Okay. Yeah. Maybe he interfered. Maybe he didn't, but you know, you can always question that and say, what if, but if a guy's just beating you, you know, that you look bad. I, I was shocked at how good he looked out there. Shocked. He, I mean, the quickness, I just, maybe it's because I've never watched him in one-on-ones before, but like I said, he, he looked like the quickest guy at the Senior Bowl. And I know he's probably the fastest straight line speed, but, I mean, it, it, was, it was impressive. Him and the Felton kid from UCLA, they had a couple battles, which I was like, oh, this is good. That those were probably, in my opinion, those were the two quickest guys on the field. It was or the what? Which was it? Central Michigan? I, I don't know. His name was like Dwayne something. He was a wide receiver. He may have helped himself more than anyone. That kid looked amazing. I for, forgot what his name was, but he was great. Okay, Ramondre Stevenson had a good week. I thought. Uh, I thought he really excelled in pass protection, and they talked a lot about it. Right, his ability to step up and block a linebacker that was coming on a blitz or adding to a rush, and that's something that NFL teams really pay a lot of attention to because young running backs—that's usually where they normally struggle—is in pass protection schemes and the physicality of pass protection at the next level. Uh, I thought he looked good in some of the zone schemes that they ran. Remember, didn't get a ton of that. At OU, uh, I thought it let him get downhill a little quicker. He was pretty decisive. You know, one cut, get north and south. Thought he had some really productive runs in practice. Didn't have any good runs really in the game. 
but he did himself some favors showing he can play special teams. I mean, he even had a special teams tackle in the game. And I think that, you know, if you're looking for a way to add value, right, special teams is a way for a running back to do that. I, I once again, I, I, I thought he had a solid week. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think he, he showed well, showed that he's well-rounded, can do anything. You know, I, I love that he was able to show well in some of the pass protection stuff and, you know, I was watching some of that segment of the of the Senior Bowl, and that's always good. You don't want to stick out like a sore thumb whenever it comes to pass protection. But as a running back, I mean, I feel like that's – even though I don't personally believe it as far as level of importance, I feel like at the Senior Bowl, you'd rather everyone be saying, wow, look how good he is with the ball in his hand. But it's still something that's very positive and – you know, I think you brought this up before, or maybe I saw you tweet it out there that, you know, his his real his best asset is breaking tackles and and running through people in live live situations and didn't get a whole heck of a lot of that until the game time. But um it's good that he showed that he's well rounded because you know I, to get on a team sometimes is the toughest barrier to break through. And for him to show that he's well-rounded, can play special teams, can be counted on, pass blocking, can carry the football, can do everything, got a much better chance getting on the football team. Then, once you're there, then you can let all the other stuff show. So, uh, I think it was think it was really good week for Ramondre. Yeah, and he actually, in, in some of the linebacker, running back, one-on-one uh, pass drills, Ran a couple nice angle routes, uh, showed good hands. Uh, I, I I thought that he did some good things. Now, did he have as good of a week as Michael Carter from North Carolina? No, it, he didn't. But I, I think that he did some good things. Okay, fourth guy was Adrian Ely. Now, I, I thought he had a bit of a slow start to the week, which is pretty common for offensive linemen down there in Mobile. But I thought he got better every day, especially practice really well on Thursday as I went through that entire practice and I was watching him grading him. I, I, I thought that he had a really good day. It's, it's so clear that he's a lot more comfortable at right tackle as opposed to left tackle. And when he was playing right tackle, thought he did some really good things. When he was playing left tackle, he had some bad plays. But he did have some struggles in one-on-ones, but once again – as the week went on, he settled in into that a little better. I do think he surprised some people because he's a big guy, right? I mean, big, tall guy. I think he surprised some people with his physicality in the run game. Uh, I, I think that I had a few people tell me that that stood out to them, that he really showed well, especially in, in some of the team drills in practice when they were running the football. So, Overall, I, I don't think it was perfect for Adrian Ely, but from everything I was told, I, I do think he helped himself. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's kind of like it, – it's a hallmark of beating both guys is that, that angry streak that they have in the running game and finishing guys and finishing off blocks down the field and stuff. And I think that kind of carries over quite a bit, don't you think, that you know the amount of – offensive linemen now in the NFL that have played under Bill at Oklahoma 
that GMs and coaches across the league trust what they're getting when they take an Oklahoma kid? Yeah, just because that physicality component, I, I feel like a lot of NFL evaluators think that that stuff is – I don't want to say it's gone away in college football, but it's not as prevalent, right, with some of these spread RPO-based systems that we're seeing now. So, yeah, they certainly are looking for guys that, you know, want that smoke at the point of attack. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well – I'm going to get it in Ely. Uh, you know, I just, I hope it's all about. You think he could end up being a guard? I mean, you'd know better than I would. I mean, Jim Nagy I, I, told I me. I personally believe in it's kind of the same thing, no matter what position it is, that, you know, it's always kind of easier to move in than it is to move out. Definitely. Like if you're a guard and you go out to tackle, it's like, oh my God, he's running straight around me. There's no one to slow him down. So, I mean, I, I don't know. I, you would know that way better than I would. Yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll be interested. I, I think they'll try him at tackle first, but I do think that some teams will project him as a guard. Now, would he be tall for a guard? Yes, but I think him with that strength, right, if he could operate a little more in a phone booth and maybe get it on a little quicker, right? You know, a little shorter set, different angle on his set. Uh, I think it could be good for him. I, I'm really interested to see how his pro career goes. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure when he's going to get drafted. I think it'll be you know mid, maybe late day three. I, I, I got no idea. But tackles a premium position if someone views him as eventually being a starting right tackle, then maybe he goes early day three. I I, I don't know. I, it's kind of all over the board from the people I've talked to of where they have him going. So uh, I think he's, he's one of the more interesting prospects, not just because he's an OU guy, but la- last OU guy that was there, Trey Norwood played a ton of free safety all week. And, and I thought he did some really good things. Now he certainly gave up some plays uh, really not necessarily in the team settings, but the the one-on-one settings, you know, it's a tough spot, right? But it definitely gave up some plays, but also had some really impressive ones in team, you know, breaking up passes, making big hits, uh, made some plays in the game as well. But Ted, to me, it just feels like Trey Norwood's pro day is going to be really, really important for him just to see what kind of times he puts down because he's got the instincts. He's got the versatility that the NFL is looking for. I, I just wonder what that speed is actually like. Yeah. I mean, one of the problems for Norwood is that over the last two years, he hadn't hardly played any football. He missed all of last season with an ACL injury. He missed most of training camp. Uh, I think he missed, what, 28 straight days or something crazy like that, or 28 days overall with contact tracing. Uh, And then once he does come back, he plays safety, he plays nickel, he plays all over the place. So he just hasn't really found a home yet. And it's good to be that versatile that teams can count on you like that, but it doesn't really help you whenever it comes to being drafted high and having a home and, and being able for them to slot you into a spot. So um, you know, it's been a tough couple of years for him, but he is, you mentioned instincts. I think his instincts are fantastic. 
some of the best I've seen recently at defensive back at Oklahoma. So uh, I feel like he's going to be able to use that to his benefit. He's a confident guy. And, you know, I, I don't know about the draft. I, you know, it's, it's too hard to gauge where I think he would go in the draft, but I think he is going to be invited to a camp. And once he gets into camp and they see how versatile he is and what all he can do, I think he's got a good shot at making a squad. Now, I I don't think he's the player that Tony Jefferson was, but this kind of reminds me of that situation where the guy has made plays. He's extremely productive. Maybe he's not going to test well, right? He's not the biggest guy. He's not the fastest guy. But when he gets into a camp, maybe he'll be making plays. Now, I... I don't know if he's going to get a big contract like our man T Jeff did. Right. (laughs) But we'll, we'll see because I I think you're right. The the kid can play now in the NFL. You got to be able to play and you got to have that speed and the size and the power and all that stuff. It's a combination of both. So I have no clue if he's going to get drafted. Hope he does. Right. And maybe he runs a great time at pro day and he's a no doubt, you know, Late day three guy. You never know, but we'll see. All right, let's move on to call your shot. And that's brought to you by Rock and Roll Tequila. Rock and Roll Tequila is the ultra premium tequila that hits all the right notes. It's won all kinds of awards for its superior taste and smooth finish. To find a store that has it, visit rockandrolltequila.com or check out their Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. This stuff is fantastic. If you don't want to take my word for it, maybe you'll listen to this guy. This is Coach Bob Stoops. When you're a college football coach, it's important to have an eye for talent. The same holds true when choosing your tequila. When I tried rock and roll, I liked it so much, I decided to become a partner in this Oklahoma-owned company. Crafted in the highlands of Jalisco, Mexico, the smooth taste of rock and roll's triple distilled platinum, our Añejo, called Cristalino, and the incredible premium quality mango tequila are awesome. Our defiantly unique guitar-shaped bottles make it easy to find, and you'll love the ultra-premium quality and taste. No excuses. Make rock and roll your game day tequila. Tastefully rebellious, start the party with rock and roll. And we asked what the most important thing that happened this weekend for OU football was. And uh, our favorite is, is an interesting one. It comes from Tanner Palmer at Tanner Palmer on Twitter. He says, Oklahoma is now looked at as a basketball school, which in turn... <laughs> takes pressure off the football team. Teams will now underestimate the Sooners on the gridiron. Now, I could, I can only imagine that our man Tanner is joking. You know, he's being sarcastic. I assume that is the case. But, Teddy, I, I just wanted to get your reaction to that one because we, we do ask for the boldest. <laughs> and that is bold, Tanner Palmer. That is bold as hell. OU is a basketball school. Well, I've said forever that we're a gymnastic school and there's really no one that can change my mind. Gymnastic school that's good at football. Um, it's a great theory. I mean, but here's the problem is you can't be good at two things, it appears. I mean, the better Kentucky's football program gets, the worse their basketball program gets. The better North Carolina's football team gets, the worse their basketball team gets. I mean – Except for Kansas, they suck at everything, okay? But um, I would take that 
if it didn't mean that we've you, you got to give to get, man. And unfortunately, I'm not willing to give anything from football to get in basketball. OU is not a basketball school. <laughs> OU, OU wasn't a basketball school when Blake Griffin was dunking on everyone and ended up being the number one pick in the draft, right? When Buddy yeah. Heald took him to the Final Four. It wasn't a basketball school. It wasn't a basketball up. school in the 80s whenever they were like really good. Still a football school. Still a football school. Will always be a football school unless, mm-hmm. unless the fabric of Oklahomans changes significantly. Unless there's a drastic change, a material change, it I'm will never saying, be a basketball school. What if... Patty Gasso wins another national championship this year and football doesn't. I'm just asking. I mean, softball school, softball school. We've got a person on Twitter that constantly asks us to have Patty Gasso on here. Like literally once or twice a week. It's like, Hey, you have Patty Gasso on yet? It's like, (laughs) I will have Patty Gasso on whenever she wants to come on. And that's a promise. She's a preseason number three or four, I think in most stuff. So they're going to have another good year. There's no doubt. Shocker. Uh, one quick thing about Oklahoma State. Uh, I did want to say something about Tylen Wallace because I thought he made himself some money at the Senior Bowl. Now, didn't practice the last day and didn't play in the game, but I'm told that he is fine. Just a little strain. He got to operate out of the slot and showcase his route running ability down there in Mobile. And he was embarrassing people. I have no idea why they didn't play him at the slot ever. It always bothered both of us, Ted, that they didn't move him around at all. Oklahoma State did not utilize Tylen Wallace the way that Lincoln Riley utilized C.D. Lamb, right, where he moved him all over the field. Hey, he was going to be on the outside, on the right side of the field. That's Every where he was going to be. 100% Every of snap. the time. Yeah. I mean, and, it's shocking, right, whenever you see what can happen, whenever you just turn a guy loose and let him go make plays. I had I had multiple because I was texting with some people that were down there watching the practices. I had a few people that say at points in time he looked like a NFL guy running routes against college players. That, that that's what they said. I had one guy tell me he thought he was the most polished receiver there. So I, I think he solidified himself as a day two guy. Now, some people may have injury concerns, right? With his brother's history with the knee, now that he's got an ACL, that whole thing. I don't know if Maybe a team medical red flags him. I don't know. But all I know is he was, I mean, he was downright dominant down in Mobile. Like, he was embarrassing dudes. It was fun to watch. Fresh legs. I mean, who knows what he would have looked like had he played the second half of that bowl game, you know? <laughs> you, <laughs> just, you just couldn't resist. <laughs> no, don't I mean, listen he, to him, Tyler. He was, you, you were great. Hey, we know the talent. We watched him go for, what was it, 1,400-something yards two years ago whenever he was healthy, and uh, the great Cornholio was throwing deep balls to him left and right. So the talent is obviously there. He's great in the air going after the ball, 50-50 balls. And it's good to hear, you know, because honestly, I hadn't really dove into him that much as a route runner. So, which you have to do in the NFL, you can't just be a guy that, you know, tries to out jump people for footballs in the NFL. You got to be a top route runner and all those, all the best are. So to hear that he's got that part of it down and is that polished, then first rounder. 
we'll see. I it's going to be really interesting what that 40 looks like at that pro day. If he runs in the four fives, there's going to be some NFL teams that are going to be very happy and they are going to want a piece of Dylan Walls. Uh, It's going to be interesting. All right, let's move on to the national college football roundup. That's brought to you by our friends at Insurica. Do you own a business? If you do, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective, comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding a loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too if your business wants to be best in class. Connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A.com. Okay, just a few pieces of college football news. Our boy Mike Stoops, he's got a job, Ted. He's back in it. He has been hired as a new defense coordinator at FAU. Now, he is replacing Jim Levitt, who did a really good job with that defense last year. Uh, I think they finished like 10th in scoring defense, but FAU head coach Willie Taggart called it a, quote, home run for FAU and said this, which I thought sounded awfully familiar. I I thought that for some reason I thought this sounded pretty familiar, Ted. Quote, as a former head coach and defensive coordinator at Power 5 programs, he knows the importance of building a defensive staff that can teach and adjust. Hmm a guy that was a coordinator and a former head coach, lots of experience. It's like you would want a guy like that on your staff. Yeah. Shocking. Right. Um, that a, a guy that's done it all been there, been a position coach, been a coordinator, um, obviously been a head coach to add that type of experience. Yeah. Yeah. People want that on their staff. I mean, they hired him as a coordinator like that. It took him about 10 seconds to get a coordinator position, had several of, her, of them offered to him over this offseason. So, yeah. yeah turned mean, him down because he thought he was going to Texas. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's crazy. But, you know, Florida Atlantic is a place that if you do some good things, you can upgrade pretty quickly. And uh, he's obviously taken over a defense that is in pretty good condition. Uh, Jim Levitt, I believe – Mike worked for him at Kansas State. Is that right? I think I know they've definitely worked together before. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's I, I think it's a great great spot for Mike Stoops. I don't think it is a destination job by any means, but if he can go in there, have a couple of really good years, may have a chance to to upgrade, or who knows if if Taggart was to take a another head coaching job maybe he would uh slide into a head coaching role i don't know but i think it's a good spot for mike yeah i'm just glad he landed landing on his feet still where is florida atlantic boca raton ah that's right the rat's mouth the rat's mouth perfect for mike Hell yeah. That's <laughs> <is> perfect. <laughs> All right. The ACC and SEC both released their schedules for next season this week. And unfortunately, 
They are both going back to their format where they only play eight conference games. Teddy, I know this breaks your heart, but Notre Dame will no longer be Dang. a full ACC member. Uh, I know. I no know trophy you wanted either. It. No trophy. They were close, but no trophy. I'm sorry, Ben. So, well, oh, no, I was just going to say, I, I mean, I, I still like the still like the format for the ACC. Uh, it's not great, but it does seem like it's getting better. Not great, but getting better. Yeah. So uh, I hope all of you enjoyed those 10 game conference schedules for a year. They were awesome. I have no clue when we will see it again. But it, it just went so well and worked so well, and people liked it so much where the ACC and SEC both were like, you know what? <laughs> we can't do that again. We can't make these people this happy. I mean, come yeah, on, man. I mean, uh, they could probably do it better to where they don't just hammer the hell out of the bad teams in the conference by making them play every single one of the good teams. But it was kind of cool to watch the SEC play good games week in week out conference games now they're back to what they're four four non-conference opponents which uh consists of one decent opponent one opponent you've heard of and then two that you didn't even know were were schools much less had a football program so we're back to that that rotation which you know you got to have that 13th data point even whenever it's the citadel or some directional school that you know, you didn't even know existed. So it's great. Data points. <laughs> Gotta love the data points. I will say this. There are some good non-conference games when you look at the ACC and SEC. Of course, they're they're still going to play those rivalry games, right? Those will all be back, which is great for college football. Uh, I'm glad that, obviously glad that that is coming back, but we're going to get Clemson, Georgia. We're going to get Miami, Alabama. So, I mean, there's a couple other good ones in there, but those two, I saw them, I was like, hell yeah, let's go. Yeah. No, I mean, there's a couple of good games to start off, and, hey, we're going to find out right out of the gate if if Miami's worth a dang, right? I mean, that's kind of the team to watch next year whenever they got their quarterback, as long as he's healthy. But, um, no, there's some good stuff early in the season. It's going to be fun. Yeah, we'll see if De'Aaron King's knee is – Ready to close. go by that. Yeah, it's going to be close. That thing exploded on him. Yeah. I mean, that thing. Well, we'll see. I'm sure he'll be fine. Modern medicine. He'll, he'll be ready to go. He'll be fine. Okay, one last thing, Teddy. And I, I was saddened when I read this because I immediately thought of you. But Josh Heupel will not retain Chris Winkie on his Tennessee staff. Now, of course, we expected this, right? Hype's going to be the quarterback coach. He's going to be the offense coordinator. They got rid of the offense coordinator as well. But, Ted, your idea where Torrance Marshall would just torment Chris Winkie uh, every second of every day, it appears that won't be happening. Uh, I know you were excited about it, so uh, I'm sorry. It's frustrating. Uh, you know, some things you feel like are – it's just made to happen. Like you couldn't draw this thing up any better, especially it's on the 20th anniversary. You know, it was just like a, a couple of weeks ago. This is perfect. It's going to be great. They recreate the whole thing every single day in the breakfast, uh, in the cafeteria or something. Coin flip at but, breakfast. 
<laughs> going flip breakfast, but it's not to be. I still would have loved to have sat in on the Hypo-Winky interview, though, right? I mean, there had to be some type of reminiscing over the football game, right? You, they can't just not you, talk about it. You know what I think probably happened? And I, I've got no inside information on this conversation, but I think Winky probably sat down. They both looked at each other. Hypo looked at him, and Wink was like, yeah, I know I'm not staying. Like, what do you want to do? And he was like, hey, you want to talk about that game? And they probably just talked about the game. That's what I assume yeah. happened. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where a lot of coaches have been in that position where someone new is in. They know they're going to bring in their own staff. And you just kind of sit down and say, hey, what do you want to know about some of your players? What do you want to know about? you know, the town, like what goes on around here, what to look out for, who to look out for, that type of stuff. So it was probably a pretty casual conversation. And um, I'm sure Hype had to throw it in there a little bit that sure was nice hoisting that trophy at the end of the night. Enjoy that Heisman. I'll keep <laughs> yeah. that national ch- – I'll keep that crystal ball, baby. By the way, bring yeah. back the crystal ball. How do they ball. feel about you at Florida State? Because uh, I can't stand Oklahoma. No, that probably didn't happen. <laughs> uh, now I was we we talked about it a little earlier, but I am interested to see what hype does with Kevin Steele there, right? He's just on staff as an assistant, his salary being offset, right? But by what he's getting paid still from Auburn, but he was a really damn good DC at Auburn. And when you look at what Hype's strengths are, and you and I have known him for a long time. He is he is honest with players to a fault. He is not the let's just say he's not the best recruiter. He's not going to be the most charismatic guy, right? He's going to shoot you straight. He's not going to blow smoke up your ass. He's just going to be himself. He needs guys around him that are super charismatic that can tell kids everything they want to hear uh, that have connections down in that area of the country. And Kevin Steele seems like one of those guys. So as far as keeping some guys on the staff, I do think Steele, even though he did try to, you know, kind of form a coup there at Auburn and get Gus Miles on fire. I, I don't really know all the details there, but, I do think it would help hype when it comes to recruiting because he, he's going to need to surround himself with guys that can go out on the road and get in those recruiting battles and win them because I, I don't really think that's his strength. No, I agree with you. And, you know, the most important thing about a head coach really isn't like what you think of what it is. And we talked with Coach Stoops about this recently. It's what kind of staff can you put together? And I, I, I don't know anywhere else, like where, where else would Hype go to hire a DC that was just doing it at a high level in the SEC? Like who else is going to take that Tennessee job? You know, because it is a unique situation right now. You don't know what the future holds, but you've already got him there on staff, you know, under contract. Like, I would be shocked if he went somewhere else with the DC. Yes. And he was really good. That's mm-hmm. the other thing where if it was like a so, so guy, that's like, 
hey, Auburn's defense, even though when their offense was inconsistent, like that defense has been good for a long time. Mm-hmm. And he yeah, was what, mean, he was the highest paid DC in all of college football, wasn't he? I don't know about that. I, I know think that he was. I, I think Aranda was, and then he left to Baylor. So maybe that he right. slid into that spot. Well, I he think. was he was high on the list if he wasn't the the top two point six, two point eight, something like that. I mean, Whew, boy, yeah i i I would be shocked if he doesn't keep him on his DC. I mean, I I don't know I don't know where else you go at this point, you know, and and to get someone that's been that consistent in the SEC, I mean, I. I'd be shocked. And I feel like you kind of need someone on your staff that knows the lay of the land in the conference a little bit. So I don't know. I think that would probably be the best hire you could come up with. Here's a perfect example of why Hypel needs a guy like Kevin Steele on his staff. Cam Newton comes on an official visit to Oklahoma. I'm talking to Cam Newton at a house party. He informs me that Hype has told him that nothing would be handed to him, that it would have to compete with Landry for the job, and that if it didn't win the job, maybe they could find a way to get him on the field in some other capacity, have a package for him, maybe play some tight end. Cam Newton, who is a monster of a human being, is telling me this, and in my head I'm just thinking, why didn't you just tell me he'd be the starter? You just lie. <laughs> just lie. Why, why, why are you why are you telling this kid the truth? Just lie to him. And he ends up choosing Auburn. Now, there may have been some other factors in there as, you know, that's pretty well documented at this point, but I'll never forget that. I was like, all he had to do was lie to him. You don't tell it like, no, you're going to have to compete. No, just tell him he's going to be the starter. And if he doesn't end up being the starter, that's on him. I'm more concerned with how he was at the, uh, at the party. Normal, standoffish, fun. Like- Cam Newton, wallflower yeah. at the party. Wallflower, yeah. just massive human though, and it was it was really really cool watching him win the national championship at Auburn the next year. Uh, <laughs> there was I would I never at any point was like that should be us. I said that all the time and have said it a ton since. That should have been our national championship. Wow! Uh, <laughs> all you have to do is tell him he's going to be the starter, man. That's it. Just lie. That's it. You can you can bitch him later if you need to. Just lie. Okay, let's move on to our winners and losers of the weekend. And Teddy's winners and losers are brought to you by Advanced Weight Loss Clinic of Sand Springs. They'll help you execute a realistic and achievable weight loss plan designed for you and only you. They've got all kinds of treatments for men and women. They're licensed and trained experts combine diet and exercise with hormone therapies to maximize your results. If you're struggling with low libido or low energy, Advanced Weight Loss Clinic of Sand Springs can help with that too. They also offer Botox and fillers. To get on the path to losing weight, call 918-241-LOSE or visit their Facebook page. If you mention the podcast, you will get a free fat burner injection. All right. Teddy, who do you have as your winner of the weekend? I know we typically do sports stuff here, but I'm going to veer off the path just slightly. Oh, let's go. Gabe, if you were in charge of a COVID vaccine center that was giving out vaccine to the community, and it was a drive-through situation, and everyone became overwhelmed totally. You had thousands of people waiting. There was hours in line that people had to wait at the drive-through vaccine center. If you were just overwhelmed, who would you call? The Ghostbusters. 
I would call, call Chick Fil A, right? Chick Fil A. Okay. To get a gigantic line moving quickly, yes, I think Chick Fil A should be studied by every business on the planet because they're incredible. And that's exactly what the mayor in Mount Pleasant, Michigan, did. They had a crisis on their hands, so he reached out to the local Chick-fil-A, and the manager, Jerry Walkoviak, showed up and took over, took control of this thing on his own time and took the wait from hours to just down to less than 15 minutes. They got people through there. They gave vaccine to over 1,000 people. How about that? Chick-fil-A manager, baby. What? A lesson in efficiency, Gabriel. Okay. So I, and I, I've told you these theories. My, my two food theories are that number one, every restaurant should have to study Tarumaras, how efficient they are when it comes to service and getting the food out fresh, hot, and in a quick fashion. Every restaurant on the planet should have to study that place. And then every restaurant on the planet should have to study Chick-fil-A with how they get that drive-through line to move the way that it does and how efficient they're like stop really no it's just a slow crawl you never even hit i mean it's amazing it's amazing like what traffic shouldn't be a thing like it shouldn't right if everyone just drove the same way like it shouldn't be a thing maybe we need to get chick-fil-a people into the transportation department and they can fix traffic forever yeah well, the one thing they can't fix is people at the stoplight staring at their phone whenever it's already turned green and is moving on. I guess they could. There'd be someone standing next to your window knocking on the door telling you to go. Got the <laughs> iPad out, like, excuse me. <laughs> but I thought that was a really cool story. That is, I hadn't heard that. That is an incredible story. And thank you for sharing that. That just put me in such a good mood for some reason. Chick fil A, right. baby, to the rescue efficiency like i just love efficiency it and i i love when people are good at their job it makes me so happy all right who do you have as your loser of the weekend okay i'm probably gonna get some hate for this but it's ou's non-conference schedule next year Uh, really the schedule in general next year we went over it and we went over it last episode and you were, you were not a fan then. And it sounds like you've had some more time to think. Well, I mean, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm on a year and I know they can't, this is all like the, the haze in the barn and has been, but you get six, you only get six home games and we do get Iowa State at home, which is going to be great. I don't know when it's going to be. And that should, you know, we mentioned the SEC and the ACC came out with their schedules. I don't know when the Big 12's final schedule is going to be, but that's going to be a good game. But we get, I mean, on a year whenever you're hoping to get people who just, you know, had a whole, whole calendar of realizing that, you know, maybe I don't have to go to sporting events. Maybe I can enjoy them from home, which is the last thing you want. Now we've only got six home games. We've got TCU, Tech, West Virginia, West Carolina, and Nebraska. I mean, aside from Iowa State, we're going to be, and maybe TCU is good, but we're going to be a massive favorite in all those games. And some people just like to see that. Let's go blow everyone out. 
but it's just it's a frustrating schedule for me. Like what we need this year, I don't know what the attendance numbers are going to be. I'm hoping it's you know more than it was this past season, and you know fingers crossed maybe we open it all the way up if enough people get vaccinated. But I, you need something that's going to draw people back out of their homes and out to watch college football. And this isn't just an Oklahoma problem. This is nationwide. And maybe there's going to be enough pin-up demand that everyone's like, I don't care who they play. We're getting out of the house and we're going to watch some football. Uh, it's just six home games off, off of all the lost revenue we had a year ago. And we've got to take one of those home games to go down to Tulane in the jungle uh, in the in the sweltering heat. It's just – I don't know. It's a frustration of mine. Maybe I shouldn't be frustrated with it. Maybe it'll all work itself out. It's going to be totally fine. It'll be fine when they go undefeated, right? Yeah. If they I mean, go undefeated. That's the, that's the thing. Yeah. That's the way you, you make up for it is you go win a playoff game and win a Big 12, win a playoff, win the national championship. Who, who even cares if you play the non-conference? You're right. No one remembers the regular season then. Well, when you guys won the national championship, everyone still talks about red October. So like people, yeah, but that's not, that's not going to be on the schedule. What was that? Number 11, number two, number one. Yeah. That's, that's not going to be on OU schedule this year, which is about what the basketball team's done recently. Oh, Uh, we're going to get to that. uh, My friend. Yeah. What what do you think FGTB is going to be today? We got a lot of basketball talk on this one. Okay. But my winners and losers brought to you by sound advice. A lot of us are watching our favorite football teams from home this year, which is why you need to get ready for game day with a home theater system from our friends at Sound Advice. Probably time for me to change that to basketball season. I'll say this about our boys at Sound Advice. They're great at troubleshooting as well. Little story for you, Ted. So last night, watching a movie in the theater room, right? Sound Advice did our theater room. Uh, Togo. If you watch it with your dogs, it's a Disney movie about a sled dog. Turns out Togo is the hero and balto is a fraud watch it people <laughs> i'm telling dude you'll be pissed the we've been lied to our entire lives about balto when togo was the true badass the one that okay. made it happen the one I that brought that. the serum back saved all those little <laughs> kids gosh why don't why didn't i know i felt lied to i really did but okay so you should watch it i want i have okay now i'm out of the ad read i'll get back to you sound advice <laughs> I watched Togo. I have both of my dogs right next to me. And in, in all seriousness, this is the most I think I've ever cried in a movie ever. It's a dog. This is what I said. It's a dog movie. My dogs were right next to me. I had had quite a bit of red wine. I was feeling emotional, dude. I cried like a baby at some points. Like it was, and not like a, there and there was multiple versions of the crying. It was like okay, tears just coming down the face. And at one point, it was like, a, <laughs> like it got <laughs> it, Togo. Watch it. Okay, back to sound advice. Oh, that's so great. The story was down in the theater room. I go to grab the remote for, and I'm like, oh no, it's not working. I put it on the charger. It's not charging. I'm like, oh no, this. I, hopefully, this remote has a warranty. It's not working. I tried on the different chargers around the house. I text my man, Walter from sound advice. And he goes, well, did, did you make sure it's on? (laughs) I said, wait, the remote can turn off 
He goes, sometimes like if you don't use it for a really, really long time, it can shut itself off. So did you try to turn it on? I said, I did not try to turn it on, Walter. I will go try and do that. And I, I did turn it on. Crisis averted. The remote At that works. point, you were halfway hoping that it was broke, so you didn't yes, look like an yes, idiot. Yes, right? I 100% was hoping that that <laughs> stupid remote was broken. But no, I just had to, uh, just had to turn it on. Uh, so for the best home theater systems and the best service and troubleshooting in the Oklahoma City area, call Sound Advice at 405-549-3880 or visit soundadviceokc.com. Okay, my winner of the weekend. Now, I almost went with the soccer topic, but we don't really talk soccer on here. And But I did think about going with Lionel Messi. I don't know if you saw this, but a Spanish newspaper leaked the details of his contract with Bar- Barcelona, or as douchey people that studied abroad in Spain say, Barcelona. <laughs> he, signed, he signed that deal in 2017, showing that, and they showed, put, it, put his business out there, that if he would have hit all of his incentives... Uh, which he hasn't, by the way, but he could have made $673 million. Wow. Play soccer, That's kids. unbelievable. Play soccer. Did you play kids. soccer? I did, I, but it, I'm like every other American. You start playing basketball and football, <laughs> and you're like, oh, yeah, soccer. That's boring. You know, I played soccer every year except for my senior year in high school. It's the only year I didn't play. Do you think... We'll get back to my winner of the weekend, but do you think with your speed and it's well-documented and I've heard some of your former teammates say this fastest white guy they've ever seen. (laughs) It's just the truth. Do you think you could have been like an elite soccer player if you would have done the whole thing? Um, I don't, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't think so. It's such a skill driven sport. Yeah, if you can run, that obviously helps and, and, and everything. But it's such a skill-driven sport that most of those guys that are playing started playing at like a club or like Lionel Messi. They, they found him in, um, what, Argentina? Whenever he was like seven years old, he was the smallest guy over there, and they took him back to Spain with him, and he went to school over there. I mean – You've got to you've got to be unbelievably skilled. I would say no, but you I mean, if it's if it's the only thing that I ever did, maybe. Do you know who Michael Bradley is, the guy that played for the U.S. men's national team? Uh, I'd probably know him if I saw him. Well, he's bald. He's bald. You would have just been like a super jacked version of him. <laughs> That'd have been way cooler. Hey, that'll work. That'll work. Could have been you, man. It could have been you. Okay, but my <sighs> winner of the weekend. Got to be Matthew Stafford, right? Uh, I know the Rams gave up a ton, but that's kind of what they had to do to get rid of Jared Goff's contract. But Stafford's only 32 years old. He's given everything he can, he could to Detroit. He's racked up, you know, at this point, Hall of Fame traje- trajectory type numbers when you look at those stats. And I think now he he's going into a system. I'm not even talking about you know him going from Detroit to L.A. I'll let everyone else make all those jokes. But he's going into a system there with McVay that is going to make his life significantly easier. And I really think he's going to thrive, and I think they're going to win a lot of games. All the zone stuff, 
all the boot and play action they build off of those concepts. I think he's going to be really effective. He's really athletic. People may not realize just how athletic he is, but I'm not sure if he's the guy that's going to get get them over the hump and win a Super Bowl. I, I don't know about all that, but he's a big upgrade over Goff. Uh, I played with him in Detroit. He's a great dude. He's a great leader. He is competitive as hell, and he's extremely talented. Uh, you put that all together, you combine it with Sean McVay's mind there for that offense. I think it I think it could be really good. And I'm sure the NFL loves it too, right? Kind of a bigger name QB there in the LA market. Maybe he can get there to be, you know, maybe there'll be 35 football fans in Los Angeles now instead of 30. That'll be good. I mean, I I think it is for the Rams, it it's amazing. And you're right. Talk about taking the pressure off of him. Forget the system. How about the defense? I mean, no they kidding. made it to the divisional round of the playoffs with a quarterback with a surgically repaired thumb and a backup, uh, which who got knocked out, what, the first play of the game, first series of the game. So, I mean, I they're so set up defensively, and they've got really good talent on the offense. You're right. It's just Stafford – just needs to deliver the football to the playmakers, rely on the defense, which which is going to be interesting to me because he's had to really be the bulk of the playmaking. And, you know, they've had some good defenses through there, but not great. He's always had to try and go above and beyond and, and kind of Brett Favre his way around, you know, being a, a gunslinger out there. He's going to have to get way more conservative or should get way more conservative in his play. And I don't know how easy of a transition that's going to be for him. You would think it would be easy, but, you know, I don't know. So used to playing. How long has he been playing like that? For for 10 years, he's been trying to, you know, thread it into tight windows and, and throw go balls into tight coverage just to, to give themselves a chance. Did you see where he said – he'd be down to get traded anywhere but New England. <laughs> he was like, you know what? I've heard about that place. You know, I've I've made too much money to have to deal with that. Wow. Oh, I mean, hey. Anywhere I, but New England. I think it's going to be a great fit. Um, God, how, I mean, how lucky is he? And the fact that he kind of hit this thing quickly and Detroit – agree to it quickly. I I feel bad for Deshaun Watson because Deshaun Watson with the Rams, like we're talking about picking him for a Super Bowl, you know? And I don't I don't think Goff what was it, Goff, two first rounders and a third rounder. I don't think that would have been enough for Deshaun Watson. Yeah, maybe I, not. I don't know who has the assets and the picks to Offered the Texans enough. Uh, and now, once again, if it comes to it, we'll see if Deshaun Watson sits out and doesn't play. Like that's the ultimate leverage, right? But right. we'll see if it comes to that. I hope it doesn't. I hope he ends up somewhere cool because it sounds like he, he he does not want to be in Houston. They put they hired that I mean, head coach, and he was like, "Yeah, I thought he was going to be the quarterback, but I guess not." Yeah. Yeah, should have had that in his contract. Uh, if Watson's gone, I'm gone. But 
No, I mean, it's, I, I think Stafford's going to be great in LA. Yeah, I think it'll be great. That'll be fun. That'll be real fun. Okay. My loser of the weekend. Now I thought about going with Marcus smart because it looked like he might've tore his Achilles, but the former cowboy, just a calf strain, just a calf strain. So that's good. I also thought about going with your favorite golfer, Teddy, and that is Patrick Reed. Did the ball bounce? Did it not? Was it embedded? Now I will say this, the PGA came out, uh, even the rules official ended up saying what he did was correct procedurally, but he's a dirty, dirty cheater. So no one is going to side with him. So that let, let's just get out there, but I don't understand that. How oh, can they here we say, go. But I, I mean, I've got an honest question for you though. Either a ball is embedded or it's not. Right? I mean, th- there's there's really no. Patrick Nick Faldo Reed. was like, "How's it embedded if it bounces?" Now Patrick Reed and the people playing with him, they I guess they didn't see it bounce, but Faldo was like, "How does the ball get embedded if it bounced?" Like, what? I mean, <laughs> was, I don't care. Even Jim they... Nance, what did he say? He goes, "It's not a good look, Jim. <laughs> it's not well, a good I mean, look." If someone walks up to Patrick Reed and say, I don't think it bounced. Okay. I don't care if it bounced or not. Like you can tell if a ball has been embedded, like if it hits into some wet stuff and just don't and stuck down in there, you can barely find it. I don't know. I, I think they're trying to save their, you know what? Um, they don't want people talking bad about golf, I guess, because I, I don't, I don't know how you could say that that was the proper way of handling things, but I don't yeah, know. I, I don't know. Patrick Reed continues to be insufferable, <laughs> but uh, my loser of the weekend, the Kansas Jayhawks, Kansas basketball, Kansas basketball. Uh, let's start with Friday. So for the last three years, Kansas has been saying that they were a victim, that those Adidas employees were paying those top high school recruits Without their knowledge, they were act. They they said they were acting on their own, and they were not a representative of Kansas basketball. Well, in a shocking, and I do mean shocking, development, it comes out that during a decision in an appellate hearing for those Adidas guys, a phone call made by an unidentified Kansas assistant is referenced in the judge's dissenting opinion of the case, and he references the call in detail. And I quote. In the call, the coach admitted that he knew paying for a recruit's brother to visit the school violated the NCAA rules, yet he planned to ask Jimmy for help in routing funds to the family through an amateur team, all in the hopes of getting the recruit to eventually commit to Kansas because it's his job to do so. Shocked. Now, I want to make it clear. I don't care if those kids got paid at all. I, I do not care. But not a good start to the weekend for Kansas basketball. Then they get absolutely worked by Tennessee in Knoxville on Saturday what in 19 lost by 19 and it really wasn't even that close there in the big 12 sec challenge just not a good week not a good weekend for the jayhawks ted not a good one at all you hate to see it well i mean the last time i'm trying to remember back to what the ncaa said it's been a while and instead of like going along with it and and trying to make the moves to to fix what happened kansas said nope we didn't cheat Nope, not doing it. We're hiring lawyers. We're fighting this to the bitter end. It sounds like the bitter end has, is really getting close. And I said it a long time ago, and maybe I'll still be proven wrong, but I still think that Bill Self ends up getting fired over this. But 
maybe they don't care. Maybe they just eat it and whatever happens, happens, and they try and fight their way back. But I don't know. It doesn't look good. Yeah. Not a good weekend. Not a good weekend. All right, let's move on to football guys talking basketball. And that's brought to you by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience. There are temperature screenings at all entrances and masks are required for all patrons and employees because your safety is Riverwind's number one priority. There are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful, award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including Blackjack, Blackjack Match, Roulette, and Craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. In February 1st through 13th is their Keys to My Heart. The more points wildcard members earn in that time, the more entries they get in the drawings on February 13th where they can win cash and bonus play. Oh, and one lucky winner can take home a 2021 Audi A5. You can win a damn car. You can win a car. <laughs> what? If you All need, right. If you need help finding your way, just visit Riverwind.com. Riverwind Casino, simply the one. Alabama, 61. Oklahoma, 66. The Sooners do it without Alondis Williams and without Austin Reeves, which made it seem like it was going to be really difficult for OU to beat a quality team like Alabama. They're coming in off that 10-game win streak. Win streak. But, Ted, they found a way, man. We, we were hoping this would be a high-scoring affair, but it turned into a defensive slugfest. It was a really physical game. It was fun to watch still, though. It wasn't boring. It wasn't one of those physical games that's really boring. But every time it looked like OU was going to get some separation, give Bama some credit. They, they put together a good run to close the gap, uh, came down to the last few minutes, and OU was the tougher team. Just a really, really good win for Lon Kruger's crew, missing two starters. I, I thought it was fantastic. I was questioning how good they were after the Texas game. I just – I. That game didn't look that impressive to me, the way, the way they yeah, beat Texas. Yeah, missing all the guys. Yeah, it, yeah, it just had a different feel to it. So I took some heat whenever I said I hadn't changed my opinion of OU at all. And um, watching this game, it, dare I say that it plays to their hand to not have – and I know they don't go down as turnovers, but Austin Reeves, like, between the legs, off balance, 30-footers that turn into long rebounds and runouts. Like, you know, the first thing you think of is, well, where are they going to get their scoring? Where are they going to get their playmaking? And the one thing that I, Austin Reeves that you can't deny, he gets to the foul line. And um, so you wondered, like, are they going to be able to do it? But the, uh, I'm not going to say they didn't miss him, but they looked good, man. They looked really good. And that's a good Alabama team. Uh, they're athletic. They defend really well. And uh, Oklahoma, the hot start, they came out of the games, what was it, 11 to 2? Yeah. I think. And, you know, that was huge. In a low scoring game, to jump out to an 11 to 2 lead is, is excellent. Had good play from a bunch of different guys. Um, you know, Manic had some good minutes. It was um, good to see him make some positive yeah. plays, right? That was good. That was good to see. Hopefully, that gets him kind of back into the rhythm. 
and it was a good, good, as good as it can be home environment. You know, you heard that place erupt whenever Jalen Hill went down the lane on that, that little mishandled that rebound sick. and dunked it. I mean, it was, it was just a, a, a fun game, man. This is a, this is a fun team to watch. I mean, that's a rare feat to pull off what they've done their last three games. Yeah. And, and I, I love how aggressive I thought Davion Harmon kind of looked like a different guy and maybe it because maybe it was because Austin Reeves wasn't out there. So he knew he had to bring more offensively, right? Ends up with the 18, but I loved how aggressive he was getting to the rim, right? Scored a lot had, of points. Was it an and one he had early on? Yeah. That and, you know, he, he hit him. a couple threes, right? But I, I thought he just, he played with a different demeanor. And maybe because you know how it is when when a guy that's out like some guys rise to the challenge and he he did exactly that especially offensively uh, got it going early thought he carried that momentum thought a lot of the team the rest of the team kind of fed off his energy as well but you mentioned it they are the only oh, oh they are only what one of two teams I think they're the second team in the past twenty five years to beat three top ten teams in a row. Now, I don't know how many teams have had the opportunity to beat three top 10 teams in the row, right. but if you're one of two teams that have done it in the past 25 years, that's usually pretty good. And it doesn't get any easier for the Sooners because they get Texas Tech on Big Monday, 8 p.m. tip-off in Lubbock, and Tech coming off a pretty impressive little late comeback win over LSU there in the Big 12 SEC Challenge. So... That tech's still going to be in the top 10. And I'm they're, guessing they're, they're still we'll, we'll in the still, top 10. We'll still be out, um, Alondis and Austin Reeves, too, right? I mean, is there's no way that they could be out for COVID and then be back in for a big Monday game. That would be, uh, I think that is a, that is a safe assumption. And uh, it's I think sad because safe. I, I would have liked to have seen the contest of who could take the most outrageous shot between Austin Reeves and Mac McClung. That would have been a duel for the ages. Just like, <laughs> you know, the Spider-Man meme, right? Yeah, exactly. Those two guys yes. just pointing at each other. Like, okay, who could take, who can take the most elaborate fall away this game off one foot? He's, he's a, I mean, McClung's fun to watch now. He is. He could be fun to watch, but I mean, he just, he lets it rip though from everywhere, but he's incredibly athletic. So it's, it's going to be a fun game. Uh, I talked to Chris Beard about him on my serious show a while back. And I believe the way he phrased it was Mac is, he is trying to play the right way. That's <laughs> what he said, <laughs> which is such a great uh, quote. But was oh. it, did he, Transfer from Georgetown? Is that where Georgetown. he was? Georgetown. Yeah, a lot of yeah. people knew him from the dunks, but yeah, he's start yeah. he's starting to fill it up. He's starting to fill it up. Now I don't know how fishing he is, but hey, kid's fun to hey, watch. Man, That's how I know. I I was I know him from the dunks, which I saw him go between the legs in a high school game, and I was like, wow, that's that's awesome. So very no, Teddy Layman esque. Cool. <laughs> yeah, right. No way. All right, let's finish up and let's wet the beak. And that's brought to you by Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School has a long tradition of educational excellence. They know that children need to be in school and are doing everything possible to make that happen. Bishop McGinnis students were welcomed back last August and saw very few interruptions in 2020. With a 12 to 1 student to teacher ratio, no student is overlooked. 
Bishop McGinnis's college prep curriculum offers 22 AP courses. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. Financial aid is available, and I am now realizing that Riverwind probably should have sponsored the uh, sports gambling segment and Bishop McGinnis <laughs> with FGTB. But, you know, we uh, here we are. Here we are. So let's talk some OKC Thunder, Ted. Uh, Thunder took it on the chin against the Brooklyn Nets. Kevin Durant didn't even play because he hates us here in Oklahoma City. Didn't even want to be on the court. He said, no, I think they rested him because the whole Achilles thing, uh, Steve Nash just being smart. But turns out, although very weird and sometimes unreliable, Kyrie Irving and James Harden still uh, still pretty good at the whole basketball thing. And Brooklyn puts up 147 against the Thunder. Uh, if you're looking for a positive, Ted, it's got to be Maladon hitting the six threes and scoring 24 points. The kid's like 19 years old. So if there's something yeah. to be excited about, it's the way that Maladon played in that game. Are you shocked? I mean, because it sounds like there's quite a few people that are shocked that he's still playing up with the, uh, with the Thunder and he hasn't been moved down to like the D League. But, I mean, the I, point I don't know. is to lose games. Develop <laughs> right. the young players and lose games. Like, why would you I, want him not playing? Like, I agree, and I, I've just heard that that I got a question for you. Hold on, I got a question for you. Would Pokachevsky start for OU? I don't think he would. Uh, he's just so not their style. I don't. Um... I think he's so not good <laughs> that he wouldn't start for OU. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't think so. And he's playing real minutes. Yeah. So I'm just saying, I'm just saying, like, I and hey, he's very young. He clearly needs to eat more, like we 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 all see. <laughs> but I, I would like to see him hit some more shots at some point. Yeah. But yikes, <sighs> man. I don't know. Yeah, the Nets are – this is going to be a brutal year for me to watch because they're going to be in the finals. And if they can get Kyrie to be normal and James Harden to stay out of the club, they got a chance to win a championship. They're really that's fun hard to, to watch. <laughs> yeah, they're they really, are. God. I, I, it, it doesn't make me happy to say this, but watching Kevin Durant play basketball is incredibly enjoyable for me. Yep. I, I'm I able agree. to separate what happened here in Oklahoma city and just be able to appreciate him like, and appreciate his greatness. He, he looks spectacular and Harden. He's one of the most gifted scorers we've ever seen. Right. Yeah. He may do it in a way that pisses people off, right? Drowning all the fouls, the flopping, you know, the constant dribbling, all those things. Like, but he's still fun as hell to watch. Kyrie Irving, when Kyrie is hot, I don't know if there's a more fun guy to watch in the NBA when he's best handle. He's got the best handle of the league. They got three guys that literally can score from anywhere on the floor. It's unreal. 
And then they have Joe Harris just spotting up, baby. <laughs> and <then> Joe. <laughs> Joe. Um, okay, but let's wet the beat with uh, Thunder Rockets, right? Monday night, uh, they'll play the Houston Rockets, who have been pretty solid, honestly, ever since they the, the whole James Harden trade went down. They have won four in a row, and it's a very different-looking team than we're used to seeing from the Rockets. John Wall playing pretty decently. Uh, Victor Oladipo, I think, starting to settle in. Definitely a guy that is on a mission, right? He's he's after a new contract, so you know that he wants to w- play well. But the guy that is just balling and came from, right. He was in Detroit last year, but Christian Wood has been fantastic for them. I mean, he's scoring, he's rebounding, he's blocking shots. Like he is, I mean, he may be their best player. He's been he's been absolutely fantastic for them. So they have gone. The Rockets have gone from my least favorite team to watch from the style that they played to rather enjoyable to watch. So I'm kind of excited for this game. Now the Rockets are a four and a half point favorite on the road here in Oklahoma City, and I'd probably lay the four and a half. Uh, I think that the Thunder the Thunder have had some pretty pretty iffy performances and I, I just don't know. I feel like the Rockets are playing well and the Thunder just still really don't know what they're trying to do offensively. Although SGA has been really, really fun to watch his ability to get to the rim and, and finish in a variety of ways. He He's turning into a really damn good player. I'm excited about him, but I don't know. I think the Rockets are just playing better basketball. You're right. You've picked the right squad. The Rockets are going to win the contest and they're going to cover the four and a half points. It would be very difficult for me to ever bet on the Thunder to win a game, maybe cover, but to win a game and on a spread this tight whenever we know the real goal is to lose. So Good point. It's tough to Good bet point. on that. <laughs> so, yeah, I would take the Rockets. Um, They've got the experience. They've, they, you know, I, Oklahoma City, I think, has the ability to bite anyone at any time, but, you know, they just don't have anywhere near the consistency, nor should they with the roster that they've put together that is um, supposed to do one thing, and that's to make their draft picks better. So, yeah, give me the Rockets. I agree. And I believe the Thunder are now you got to go back and look at the schedule and all that stuff, but looking at it right now, the Thunder are one and six at home. One and six. So hmm. n- not exactly killing it. They're just big energy arena. So we'll both take the Rockets, which means, of course, the Thunder will win <laughs> by 10 to 15 points. And on that note, episode 82 in the books, we'll have a new podcast that'll drop. Thursday morning. Just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from 2 to 6 on Sports Talk 1400. You can hear me from 3 to 5 on Sirius XM Big 12 Radio Channel 375. I think we may get Dan Orlovsky for Thursday. I think he's going to try to call us when he's driving back from ESPN, try to find a window for us there. So hopefully we'll get a Super Bowl preview with our man Orlovsky. And uh, I think we may get Orlando Brown this week as well. So could be a big week. Could be fun. But hope you all have a great week. Till next time, we appreciate y'all for listening. Do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other.
for just one more time.